Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So today, we're going to talk about faith and fear in the middle ground. PD preached a few weeks ago, I don't know, probably about a month ago now, about faith and hope. Right, so now I'm going to talk about faith and fear. Today, in this generation, uh, PD alluded to it actually when, in his message about faith and hope. How today, in this generation, fear is constantly everywhere. Right, it's in the news, it's in uh, social media, it's in your friends, in your family. <laughs> um, it's all over. Right, uh, I was telling PD, I think last week, how fear will come find you even if you're not looking for it, right? Like, um, I use the example of I was, I was at work, I was walking to go get something to eat, I walked past the newsstand, and everybody knows I have an infant, but two week, two, almost two months. Um, so I seen this newspaper ad, big front page newspaper ad, and it said, um, it said, psycho babysitter stabs infant, right? Now, it, for me, somebody who, you know, I, I'm constantly in faith, I'm constantly in my word. But for someone else who fear is a constant thing for them, right? Having a newborn and leaving them with a babysitter, that all of a sudden now your mind starts going, right? The devil starts getting in your head. Oh, I wonder what's going on with my baby. I need to call the babysitter. I need to check up. I need to know what's going on, right? So fear will come find you. I wasn't looking for that. But it came to find me, right? I, I just happened to pop up, and there it is. Big front page ad, right? Almost like calling to me. Like, hey, look at this, right? So then there was another situation um, a few weeks ago. Um, everybody knows I work for the airport. So in another situation, I'm minding my business, and I get a, I get a message like, hey, um, United is looking to outsource our, our station, right? And I'm like... The devil is a liar. <laughs> they are not getting rid of my job. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, but again, I was minding my business, right? And now I can get into fear about that and be like, oh God, I don't know what I'm gonna do about my job. I don't know, you know, right? So fear will come find you, right? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about fear, um, how to deal with fear as a believer, how to get into faith, and, and also on the other side of that is kind of the middle ground, right? Some people have extreme fear. Some people have extreme faith, right? Brother Hagen had a, a message not too long ago, a confession series, I think it's called, where he talked about he was, um, there was this couple who they, they had a they were extremely into faith and confessing and things like that. And uh, they had a young child and the child was playing around the pool, you know, open pool. And a friend of theirs said, you know, watch the baby around the pool, you know, he could fall in and drown. And they, they got all upset. Oh, that's not our confession. Don't speak that on him. You know, and then a few weeks later, the baby fell in the pool and drowned. Right. So there's extreme faith, right, because you're violating the laws of safety in that in that sense. Right. It's common sense, too. Right. You have faith, but there's also common sense. You got to be smart about things. A baby around an open pool unattended is not common sense. And I don't care how much faith in the world you got. <laughs> that baby is not safe. Right. So, um, if you have your Bibles, go to me to Romans 8.15. If you don't have a Bible, uh, raise your hand and someone will get you one. Uh, I know most people have their Bibles on their phones these days, so. 
me just get it here. So Romans 8.15, we have it say amen. amen. Says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Right? So what does that tell us? That, that we can go home right there. Um, <laughs> so when you let's let's read it one more time. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba Father. So we as born again believers, as saved Christians, right? We've we we've gotten away from fear. God has redeemed us from fear. Jesus has redeemed us from fear, right? We're not, it says here, you, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Fear will enslave you. Fear will, will enslave you. Fear will keep you bound, right? Fear will keep you from not being able to go outside. Fear will pe- keep you from not being able to do your job. Fear will keep you from, I mean, there's a million things, right? So I got this little thing here. Um, let's see if this works. When you think about fear, right? So some of us deal with some of these things, right? Anxiety, um, psychological disorders, panic, fright, phobia, um, trauma, depression, right? Or or maybe you say, that's not me. Well, there's more, (laughs) right? (laughs) Claustrophobia, irrational fears, emotional fears, depression, um, social, mental, help. I mean, this is just... And this is just one off of one Google search, right? Wait, there's more. So maybe some of your spiritual fears, right? Demons, devils, nightmares. Um, for a long time, and, and, um, and my wife can attest to this, um, I suffer with night terrors. Um, I wake up in the middle of the night just screaming my head off. Oh, I'm 20-something years old, 30-something years old. You think like that goes away when you're a kid, right? And... Um, but for a long time in my life, I was afraid to go to sleep. You know, I would sleep three, four hours a day because I was afraid to go to sleep because I would wake up in fear, terror. I, it, it, just, it plagued me for, I don't know how long, probably more because it was before we got married. So at least 10, 15 years. Right. But thank God I've been delivered. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so fear will will put you in bondage, right? So for me, I wasn't able to sleep the way I needed to, right? I wasn't able to get proper rest. I wasn't able to do the things I, I couldn't function properly, right? And so that led to other things, bipolar depression, mania, different things that I struggle with, um, suicide. Um, I actually attempted suicide three times. Thank God, you know, it didn't go through, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I, I dealt with a lot of those things, all because of, most of it because of fear. Right. Um, so if anybody is perfect to talk about this, it's probably me, <laughs> uh, because, like I said, all this will keep you in bondage and it will, it will definitely um, keep you from living. Like Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Is any of that life more abundantly? Is any of that even life? Right. Nobody wants to live that way. Right. Um, I know people, um, myself included, who. They can't live a normal, happy life because they're always in fear of something. Even when everything's going right, they're in fear that something's going to go wrong, right? So that's not that's not God. That's not God's way, right? So He said here, um, you know, you weren't given, you didn't receive that spirit of slavery again. So the devil has enslaved us, right? From when Adam 
when Adam sinned, we were put into slavery and bondage, right? Um, we were put into the, we were, we were enslaved by the law of sin and death, right? So if you look, if you research fear, like I did a little research on fear. Um, the root of most fears, actually probably all fears, is death, right? But most people, at the end of the day, they're fearful of death, right? And death then into the world until sin entered the world. Adam was supposed to live forever, but because he sinned and he fell, fear and death by, the, by way of Satan entered the world, right? So in that, we were, put in, we were enslaved by that. We were enslaved. We were put into bondage. Right? We were put into the bondages of sin and death. But Jesus came to redeem us and he died for us. So I got a couple quick definitions here. So what is fear? So the Webster Dictionary says fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil or pain. It says whether the threat is real or imagined. A lot of people don't think that. A lot of people think fear is like, oh, it's, it's real to us, right? It's real to us. But a lot of times it's imagined. A lot of times... We're really in fear about something that it may or may not happen, right? Um, another one is concern or anxiety. Something that causes feelings of dread or apprehension. Something a person is afraid of, right? So cancer, and then it says here, for example, cancer is a common fear, right? Uh, what's the other one? So in the Greek, so I looked it up in the Greek because everybody knows the New Testament was written in Greek. Um, and it says uh, fear is... In the Greek, the word fear is phobia, phobia, which I assume we probably, that's where we got our, our word phobia, right? It means to put to flight by terrifying, to scare away, to be seized with alarm. Again, like I said, it's paralyzing, it's, it's, it's debilitating. So fear, I like to say, um, is the opposite of faith, right? So the devil utilizes fear the way God utilizes faith, right? So God wants us to get into fear. God tells us, confess your sins and you'll be forgiven. The devil says, confess your sins and something else will happen, right? You're going to be embarrassed or you're going to be, it's going to ruin your life or whatever, right? Um, so go with me to, no, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, right? Everybody knows this passage or most people know it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you can't have faith and fear. Right? You're gonna you you, you can say, Well, I'm, I'm being in faith about this thing, but if you're fearing, then there's probably some doubt there, which then it's impossible to please it's impossible to please God because you don't have you don't really have faith right so you need to overcome that fear before you can really get into faith like uh if we jump back Hebrews 11 one says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen and so PD told us you know a few weeks ago that you know this is what faith does right so faith is the assurance of things hoped for faith grabs hold of those things that you know, we're looking for and hope and we need faith and hope. But when you have faith and fear, that's when things don't come to pass. And the people wonder why you wonder why I've been praying and I haven't been healed. I've been praying and I, and I still 
have these issues. I've been praying and I still feel depressed. I've been praying and I'm still afraid of these different things, right? Because you have you you've substituted your hope for fear, right? So I like this. I, I kind of gave. A, I got a little revelation the other day when I was preparing, and you know, um, it's, I did it like this. I said, "Now fear is the assurance of things. Uh, the assurance of things. Um, the assurance of despair. Fear. Now fear is the assurance of despair. The assurance of things. So things that we normally would hope for. Now fear brought that despair. Fear made that despair. Those things where we are most afraid of and made them reality." Right. Um, whereas normally it was f- the things that we most hope for, faith will bring in. Right. And then make that reality. But fear does the opposite. So go with me to uh, Job chapter three, verse 25. I got a lot of scriptures because, you know, PD is my mentor. And <laughs> so y'all going to be turning a lot of pages. Hey, this is good. Some of y'all, this is all, the most y'all going to read your Bible. <laughs> Did I say that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I still love all y'all. <laughs> so Job chapter 3, verse 25. Job chapter 3, verse 25. Job said, okay, for the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I like the New Living Translation better. It says, what I feared most has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. So um, if you know the story of Job, Job was a wealthy man. Um, He basically had everything he could ever ask for. Um, And the devil went one day to God and said, you know, um, well, God actually said, have you tried my servant Job? Because the devil was out. Everybody knows he's like a roaring lion. He's looking to see see who can devour. And so God asked the devil, like, where did you come from? He's like, oh, you know, I've just been roaming the earth, just, you know, casually looking around, seeing who I can destroy. And God said, well, have you tried my servant Job? And he said, how can I? When you always protected him, you placed a hedge around him. He said, I haven't protected him. And if you know anything about the history, Job is, I believe, the oldest book in the Bible, right? So this was before the this is before Moses, this is before any covenants, this is before anything um, that where God has prom- like the things that we have now, the covenant that we have now, where God has promised to protect us and things like that. So God said, I haven't protected him. He's just faithful. And because he's faithful, there's certain spiritual laws that are in place that because he's faithful, he's protected. Right. So um, the devil said, all right, I'm going to go try him. So long story short, he basically destroyed everything he had, his family, his kids, his money, everything. Um, And so Job said in this passage, this is shortly after that, Job said, what I most feared has come to pass. So all this time, all of his life, Job has, this was his biggest fear. If you look in the, the first chapter of Job, he used to go every year and offer sacrifices to God because he said, just in case my children may have sinned and cursed God, I want to protect them. Just in case. It was a fear of his that he always had. And so it finally came to pass. The devil used it. The devil took the opportunity to use that against him. And so that's why I always tell people all the time, like, I don't fear I try not to fear anything. I try not to fear. I try to use my faith more than my fear. Because those things that you most fear, you can will those into, you know, the world says you can will those into existence, right? Um, And that's the crazy part about it is even the world knows that. 
Even those who aren't saved know that if you think about something long enough, if you worry about it long enough, if you, you meditate on it long enough, it will come to pass, good or bad, right? So, um, yeah, so Job said, you know, the, the thing that I most feared, the thing that I was most worried about came to pass. And so, like, me and Tashani have this thing where, because she's, she's more into the worrying than I am, where I'm like, stop worrying about it. You're going to make it happen, you know? Um, and so I use this scripture a lot on her. <laughs> and she doesn't like it, but it's all right. <laughs> so uh, many of us can get into fear just like Job did. Many of, many of you probably have some things that you're, fear, you're fearful of. Maybe even right now, there's some things that are going through your mind. You can't completely focus because you're worried about. It could be the smallest things, right? Am I going to get to work on time? Is there going to be traffic? What's for dinner? I don't know. Anything, right? Things that may fear you. Oh, did I unplug the iron? Did I turn the stove off? <laughs> right? If you're sitting at home, you're like, ah, if he don't hurry up, because I got to go see if this iron is off. I don't know if I locked the door. I don't know if I set the alarm. Did I lock my car door? They're going to steal my stuff. I don't know. Right? And now you can't focus. Now you can't even hear from God because you're in fear. Right? Even right now. Some of you. Not everybody. Right? Um, so Psalms 118.6 says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? All right? So... Um, I had a conversation, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I had a conversation with Trey for, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago, and we were talking about um, like all the recent killings of black men, unarmed black men, right? And one of the things is, is like, we were just we were just having a casual conversation, he's like, man, I'm scared to go outside. You know, like, I'm scared to be driving in my car because something might happen, right? And it's true, there's some, there's some truth to that, right? But at the same time, that's that's a fear. That's a fear that, you know, um, really we shouldn't have. Because like, like Psalms 118 says, what can man do to me? You know, even Jesus said, you can destroy this body, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It's just a body. It's just a shell. It's just it's a temporary home. We're not even going to be here forever. Eventually, we're going to die. In, we're all going to die anyway, right? Um, so what can man do to me? You know, uh, I forget I forget the scripture, but it says, um, you know, uh, fear no man, but fear the one who can destroy soul and body. Right? Only God can can destroy your soul and your body. Now that's the one you need to fear if you're gonna fear somebody, right? Because after this, we're still gonna live. You may live in hell or heaven, but you're gonna live somewhere. Um, so you shouldn't even fear those things, right? You, obviously, you got to be like I said, you got to be rational. You got to be smart about things. You don't do certain things to put yourself in certain situations. But at the same time, what can man do to me? If you destroy this body, it doesn't matter. Paul said in Philippians 1, I believe, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he said, you know, I don't, he said, even, even Paul said, I'm, I'm torn between the two because it's far better to be with Christ. That's a far better life than what we have here. But for his purpose, he needed to be there for the people to minister to them, right? And so that's why I say, like, why, you know, why even fear death? Because at the end of the day, if we're we're spirit-filled, saved believers. To to die is gain. We're not losing anything. We're actually gaining. You know, uh, we that's why we don't, you know, we say we don't cry at funerals, we don't have funerals, we have celebrations, celebration of life, right? Why? Because they're in a better place, you know, hopefully, if they're saved. 
they're in a better place. They're, they're rejoicing with God in heaven. They're where we want to be. <laughs> where we're like, God, Jesus, you need to come back now. <laughs> like, right now. Because I'm about to lose my job, these people. <laughs> right? So, you know, to die is gain. You're not losing anything in death, right? You're only gaining. It's only that much better. Fear, like I said before, is paralyzing. It's debilitating. It will cause you to never progress. It will, um, it will cause you to sink deeper and deeper into despair. Um, if we look at, uh, actually, let's go there. I'll give you an example, right? This is a cool little illustration. This is for Alan because Alan likes illustrations. <laughs> um, Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 22. Yeah. So Matthew 14, verse 22. So Jesus just met, just ministered to like 5,000, I think it's 5,000 people, you know, the, the yeah, 5,000 people, the two fish and five loaves, right? He just finished all that. So Matthew 14, 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up, on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way, a, a long way away from the from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, "It is a ghost!" And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, "Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid." And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So um, Jesus, you know, he just he just finished praying. He 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 had sent the disciples off. He's looking over and he's like, oh man, he kind of kind of far away, but it's cool because you know God is my Father, so I'm gonna just walk. And he walks on the water, and they, the first thing they think is, is you know, it's a ghost. So first, you see the fear right there had already terrified them, right? Because they they thought it was a ghost, and so it says, you know, they they were terrified, and then immediately said. Immediately, Jesus said, do not be afraid. So then Peter kind of, you know, Peter was like, Peter was kind of, he was, Peter was rash. Peter made rash decisions a lot. Like he could just kind of just jumped out and did things. So he said, Jesus, if, if that's really you, then, then tell me to come and I'll walk on the water too. So Peter, Peter was in faith, right? Because nobody had ever seen anybody walk on the water before this time, like ever. That wasn't a thing that you do. So Peter was really in faith. He had that much faith in Jesus, right? And so Jesus said, come. And so Peter walked out on the word of faith and he gets on and he's like, oh, this is cool. All right, cool. And then he's not, I can imagine he's probably looking around like, uh, looking back in the boat, like, ah, y'all still stuck in the boat, right? And then, then he sees the waves coming and then now, now the wind's blowing and he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know about this, right? So then what happens? He starts to sink, right? And so he starts sinking. So it says immediately he saw the waves and he, he started to sink, right? And But Peter did one thing right. He put his eyes back on Jesus, right? 
So we always, I mean, you, you hear this, you hear the story all the time, right? People always talk about, oh yeah, Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he got afraid. And you know, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus, right? But a lot of times what we don't catch in that story is that, yeah, he took his eyes off Jesus, but then when he got afraid and he saw himself sinking, he knew where to look back to, right? A lot of people, they don't know where to look back to. A lot of people get so deep in fear. They get so deep in their, 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 their problems, right? And they're like, I don't know what to look to. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And then, you know, they go to their friends and say, PD, I need you to pray for me. I don't know about it. I'm dealing with this thing and it's just, whew, I need you to pray for me, right? And, but all the time, Jesus is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just look at me. Look at me and I got you, right? Look at me and I, I got you, right? So Peter, that's the one thing he did, right? He said, I'm, I'm putting my, back, my eyes back on Jesus. And then, of course, we know anyone who calls on the name of the Lord be saved. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus called, pulled him up and brought him back into the boat. So I want to encourage everyone, if you're, if you, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're dealing with, don't take your eyes, you know, hopefully don't take your eyes off Jesus. But if you, if, if this just seems so big, look back to Jesus. Right. Look back to, to God and, and try to get back, you know, call on his name. Um, don't look, don't necessarily go look to your friends and people to pray for you and different things like that. Because if you're not in faith, it doesn't matter. I can pray heaven and earth together. I can pray Jesus come back. But if you're not in faith, ain't nothing going to happen. Right. Um, you know, later on in the chapter, uh, in, in the book, you know, Jesus said, you know, speak to the mountain. Right. Um. If anyone says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, then, you know, he can have what he says, right? So you have to do it. You have to have that faith. You have to get yourself in it. You have to speak to it. And a lot of times people are like, I'm not speaking to, I'm not speaking to no mountains. I'm not speaking, I ain't speaking to this iPad. That sounds crazy. But you do it anyway, right? Um, Kenneth Copeland has a, a, a series called Freedom from Fear. He, taught, he said, you know, get around. Get around one of your friends, right? And they got a, a beat up car. They'll, they'll speak to that car. You piece of junk, you this, you that, you know, you're going you gonna to work today, right? So they'll speak to that. But when you want to speak faith, then people want to get, oh, you you on that faith stuff. You in that prosperity gospel. You on that faith gospel. You, But that is, like Petey said last week, this is the gospel, the whole gospel, right? Amen. It's not just the little part where we've been saved and we get to sit back and, you know, life is life, but the whole gospel, including faith, including prosperity, yes. including healing, including yes. every, everything that is part of it, freedom from fear, deliverance, right? Um, all of that is part of the gospel. So you want to get, you got to speak to those things that, that are troubling you. You got to speak to them and cast them out from your life, right? Um, so I was going to go to the scripture, but I'm not. I'm going to go to another scripture. <laughs> Let the Lord use you. I hear PD saying that in my head. <laughs> um, Mark chapter 5, verse 36. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 36. It says, um, actually, we got to go a little bit. Let's jump a little bit back a little bit. Um. Uh, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, 
and he was beside he was beside the sea. Then he then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, "My little daughter is at the at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live." And and he went with them, right? So then we jump down a little. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you read the rest of it, so Jesus is on his way with Jairus to go heal his his daughter. And while he's on his way, people are all around him. People are all trying to, you know, because at this point, everybody kind of knows who Jesus is. So they're all around him. And it even says here, like, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So they were all like around him and they're touching him and they're trying to, you know, get his attention. And he's like, ah, oh, like I'm on my way to go heal Jairus' daughter. And they're all on him, right? And so, um, Immediately, this, there's this woman here. We, we all know this story too, right? She's had 12 years of this issue of blood where, you know, we don't know exactly what it is, but clearly there's some problems. Um, and part of this was, um, so she'd been suffering this for a long time. She's only been getting worse. She's probably spent all her money. Um, she has spent all her money. And she's, she's just getting worse. But she had heard, you know, it says here, she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Right. So, um, again, like I said, so he's like. All, everybody's touching him, right? Because even the even the um, disciple said it here. I think it's was it this one. It might have been the other one, um, the other one of the other gospels. But they the disciple said like, "How? What do you mean? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Who touched you? Of course, somebody touched you. Everybody's been touching you." But the difference was she used her faith. She stepped out on her faith, and so there was something different about her touch. It was something different about what she did versus what everybody else was doing, right? Everybody else was just touching like, oh, maybe something might happen. I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see what's going to happen, right? Maybe I can get his attention. Maybe if he looks at me, you know, maybe if I look at it, get him to look at me, then I can talk him into doing something for me. But she was like, no, I heard what he can do. And so if he has all this power, the least, the least I need to do is just touch him. That's all I really need to do. The least I need to do is just touch him a little bit and, and it'll work for me, right? And so she got out on faith and she touched them. And so her touch was different from the other probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that were touching him. And so Jesus felt her faith. Like he held, he, he, it's almost like, um, it's almost like you can tell the difference between, um, like you can tell the difference between when your mother calls you versus when a stranger calls you, right? It could be a hundred thousand people. Well, you hear that your mom's voice, it's like that's my mama, right? So it's the same thing. It's like it was, it was, it was something different about that touch. He was like, "Oh wait, there's something different here, right?" Some of this, this is somebody, somebody took some power from me. Somebody, something different. I felt something come out of me. So, um, you know, and then Jesus. So Jesus basically, she, she, she's like now everybody's like, well, you know, looking, and so she steps up. And she said, um, she basically sat there and she said, she looked at him and said, look, it was me. You know, she, and it says she told him everything that had happened um, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So Jesus wasn't even looking to heal her, right? He wasn't even looking to, to do anything for her. He was, he was, like I said, he was on his way to go hear Jairus' daughter. And, but her faith was what made her well. She didn't, she, Jesus didn't have to do anything. She did it, right? So sometimes it's not, sometimes we sit back and we wait and we're like, God, you got to do something. God, you got to do something. God, you got to do something. You got you to do something. No, no, no. You're not hearing me. You got to do something, right? But some, God is sitting there like, no, you need to do something. You got to step out on faith. You got to set up and say, hey, like, you know, I'm doing this. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to, I'm going to make a change, right? Um, like Alan always says, he uses this all the time. Like, if you want something that you never had before, you got to do something that you never did, right? And so God is saying, you've been praying for the last whatever, how many years, right? Or it might even be hours, whatever, right? And he's saying, no, you got to do something different. You got to do something different. You got to step out in faith and you got to get into faith. I need you to get into faith, not just pray to me, not just ask me to do it because I don't need to do anything. If you get in faith, then your faith will make you whole. Your faith will get what you need. Your faith will move, move that mountain, right? He said, if anyone says to that mountain, not... Not if anyone says God moved the mountain. He said, you say to the mountain, move and be cast in the sea, and it will be done. Amen. Right? Amen. So, moving on. That was a side thing that wasn't even in my notes. But anyway, um, <laughs> while he was, so, getting to the point I was getting to, he says, uh, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Right? So, imagine this now. Now, all this is happening. Jesus is like, you know, Jairus is in faith. He's like, if you come, she's going to be made whole. She's going to be made well. She's going to live. I just need you to come and touch her. I just need you to come lay your hands on her and she'll be fine. Right? And then Jesus is making his way there. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Come on, let's go. And they're walking. And then now this whole thing comes and this lady comes. And now, mind you, she had 12 years of this issue. So when it says she told him all that had happened, I'm sure that took a little while to tell him all that happened, right? Because she'd been going over this for 12 years. And people know when you're going through something, you've been going through for a while, you're going to talk for a few hours, right? You're like, yeah, you know, in 2005, it was just, it was a rough year, let me tell you. And, you, and they sitting there like, ah, you done yet? <laughs> like, but so she's sitting there, she's telling him everything that happened for the last 12 years. Right, so you can imagine that probably take a while. So while all this is happening, Jairus is still standing there, and he's still waiting because he's still in faith. He's still like, okay, God, like he's. I'm sure he has some concerns in the back of his mind, like yeah, you know, I'm sure you know my daughter's sick and everything. Like oh, I wish this lady would hurry up, but at the same time, he's like, you know, no, Jesus is gonna come heal her as long as she's still alive. In his mind, probably he's probably like, as long as she's still alive, we're good, right? But while all this is happening, someone comes up and he says. You know, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. So immediately what happens? Jairus gets into fear, right? Immediately, because who wouldn't, right? You're like, yes, Jesus is coming. Then now all this happens and you're like, okay, right? And Jesus, Jesus overhearing them, he says, do not fear, only believe, right? Because Jesus already knows. He already knows. As soon as he heard it, he's like, oh, man, let me, you know, I got to address this now, right? Because if you had faith in me before, 
My power isn't any different. I haven't changed. But you, if you change, then the circumstances changes, right? Because Jesus was working on his word. Jesus could have healed her on his own, but he was working on, he, he acted on Jairus' faith. Jairus said, if you come and lay hands on her, she'll be healed. And if you look at the other, uh, another scripture um, with the, uh, I think he was a ruler as well. Um, he said, you know, you don't even need to come. Just say the word and my servant will be healed, right? So Jesus didn't need to go, but he was acting on Jairus' faith, right? Because he needed something to work for him, right? So he, Jairus said, come and lay hands on her and out and she'll be healed, right? He could have said, no, just say the word, just like the other guy said, just say the word and she'll be healed. But no, he, that was where his faith was. Like people always say like, oh, I ain't got faith for that. My faith ain't there yet, right? So you gotta, everybody's, you know, Everybody has has been dealt the same measure of faith, but everybody is different in where they are in their faith and what they can believe for, right? So that's what Jairus needed. He felt like if Jesus comes and lays hands on her, then she'll be healed. So Jesus had to address that right away. So he says, do not fear, only believe, right? And if we look, jump forward to the story, he gets there and, you know, everybody's crying and weeping and doing all these different things and they're just like they're they're mourning because this little girl's not dead and you know jesus says why are you? so verse 39 and when he entered he said to them why are you making a commotion and weeping the child is not dead but sleeping and they laughed at him but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was so Let's look at that real quick before I go down to the next part. So Jesus, this is Jesus now coming. And Jesus is saying, what, what's going on, right? And I, at this point, we know a lot of people have already heard about Jesus because we see that throughout, right? Because that's how the, the woman with the issue of blood found out about him. Because people have been talking about him. And he says, why are you guys sad? What's the problem? She's sleeping. She's fine, right? And they all laughed at him. So what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't, he didn't fight back. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, what are you laughing for? Do you know who I am? He just put them all outside, right? He said, all right, well, you know what? First of all, this ain't even y'all house. This is, this is his house. This is Jairus' house, and he asked me to come here. So y'all need to get out, right? So what I would say to that, right, another illustration is put all those people outside, right? Put all those people outside. All those people who are talking to you and they, you know, Girl, you ain't going to get this. You ain't going to get that car. Girl, you... Cr what? You want $100,000? What? Oh, oh mm -mm, no, girl. Mm -mm. Put them outside. Right? Because <laughs> of my wife, that's why. <laughs> uh, um, right, exactly, right? Thank you. Sound just like it, right? <laughs> right? So put them outside, right? Put them outside. I remember... I'll, I'll, um, quick story. <laughs> quick side story. Um... When we were, this was about three years ago, when we were buying our house, right? We didn't even have, we didn't, we didn't even have the money for a house yet. So we just, I was, we were living in this apartment and um, I was just like, man, I'm, I never really wanted to live there anyway, but I was just like, we had to do what we had to do. So I was like, man, I really just want to get, I like, I want to just get out. And the goal was always to get a house, but it was just like, all right, now is time. Like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I forgot what happened. I think like. So we had a leak or something, and I was just like, I'm done. This is it. Like, we got to go. <laughs> so this was probably like January, February. 
And I said, um, I said to Sashanti first, I was like, we get in the house this year, right? She was like, what? What are you talking about? We ain't even got no money from the house. We barely, you know, we saving up, but we ain't, we ain't nowhere near no 20% or whatever it was, right? I said, no, nah, we, get, we get in the house this year, right? I said, I'm, get, I'm getting in faith about it, and um, we get in the house this year. And, you know, I prayed about it, and I'm like, by December 31st, I will have my house. Like, I was serious about it, right? So, you know, God supernaturally moved things for me to get that house. And by October 31st of that year, we got our house, right? Um, and I'm talking about like, like, it was like, I was working and stuff like that, but it was to the point where like people were call like people from the job were calling me, like, hey, can you come in? And oh, by the way, you know, you, you, you put in the overtime from the time that I called you, not from the time that you get here, right? Or, you know, um, people would be like, hey, you know, I'm taking off the next four weeks. And so I need you to work the next four weeks. And like, I only notice how like our overtime works. Like it's usually by like seniority. So like people would, you know, you can kind of like go through the list or whatever. But it was like for like four weeks straight, like I got straight overtime. And so God will move on your faith, right? God will move on your word, right? So that's a little side story to the, to the thing. So like I said, uh, for a lot of people, not just Tashani, but a lot of people were like, well, you're not going to be able to do that. You ain't doing it. Nah, you ain't doing that. You, it's not going to work. And so, but I, I'm good. I'm good for that. Like, I'm good for me. Like, I, don't, I ain't listening to you. I'm good for people putting people outside. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's the thing. Like I said, so put those people outside. And if you look at what Jesus did, he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. I think, I believe it was Peter and John were with him. And he only brought them in the room. Why? Because they were the only ones that were in faith. They were the only ones that were able to believe for what he needed, right? So, so, I mean, I know a lot of people, you need support, right? You need that support group, right? So if you need a support group, get the people that are with you. Take the people that are with you. Just like he said, he took the people that were with him. He didn't get people that were outside. He took the ones that were already with him. He knew they were already in faith. So, you know, come on, Peter and John, right? Come on, Alan and Tashani. Come on, Petey and Mark, right? Take the people that you know are with you. Right, Petey, Petey um, does this to me all the time. He'll call me, <laughs> like when he lost his license, he called me and he was like, hey, I need you to believe God for me. <laughs> I was like, what happened? And he's like, I'm in Minnesota? Texas. Texas. I'm in Texas and uh, I lost my license. I'm supposed to fly out tomorrow. Right? And everybody knows the story, right? So <laughs> so I'm on the other side like, I don't know about this one, Petey. Like, <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm like, all right, I believe God for you, but um, we're we going to have to do some practical stuff because you was talking about driving, right? And I'm like, how you going to drive across the country with no license? And he's like, no, we're going to believe God. And I'm like, believe God what? Not you don't get pulled over? Like, how is this going to work? <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. So long story short, like we did some research, right? And then, well, first... He didn't drive, you know, which I believe was God, because when he called them to ask them about the rental car, they wanted like $3,000, something crazy. <laughs> and so he was like, yeah, we ain't doing that. So we were like, all right, 
well, what can, what can we believe for, right? So we were like, all right, we're going to believe God that he can get to the airport and then, you know, they'll have some kind of process or whatever, which they did that, um, you know, we'll let him get through. And then he had Destin with him too. So that was like double the trouble because um, it's like, oh, wait, so you ain't got no ID and you taking some kid. We're not even sure if this is your son. Like, <laughs> this is real suspect right now. So <laughs> we would have... But fortunately, you know, like he called me. He said, you know, just, just believe God for me. We're going to pray. And then I think we prayed on the phone, didn't we? Yeah. So we prayed on the phone. And we were like, you know, by the, by, I think we said by the next morning, he was going to find it. So we hung up. And I was like, all right. So I, I hung up. I was at work at the time. And I was like, God, uh, thank you that he finds his license. And I just kind of went back to doing what I was doing. And um, he texted me. And he was like, hey, I'm going to check the hotel one more time. So I'm like, all right, cool. So come to find out, he gets to the hotel and the lady goes, what's your name? And he gave her his name and she's like, I think this is yours. And it was his license. And it was like two hours after, I think it was like two hours after we prayed. So again, get with people that, get with people that are, are going to be in faith with you, right? So later on, and all the other part of it was don't tell my wife, but <laughs> until we find it. <laughs> And I was like, you ain't getting me in trouble with Courtney, because I know Courtney. She she ain't gonna play that. So uh, but you know, thank God. He was like, it's fine, because we're gonna find it. We believe in God, we're gonna find it. So it's fine. So we believe God and he found it. But um I said all I'd say later on, he said, you know, I called you because I didn't want to call nobody that was gonna be in unbelief. Right? <laughs> like he was like, I need somebody who's gonna have some faith. So you gotta know people around you who have faith. You gotta know people around you who you can look to. And you can go to and say, hey, I need you to pray with me. I need you to believe God for me and, and with me. And, you know, and the Bible says when two, uh, two or three touch and agree, let every word be established, right? So you got to, but you got to find two that's, that's in faith, right? Amen. Another quick story. So uh, everybody knows I do the media thing and everything. So I was like, I called PD up last week and I said, hey, it's my turn now. <laughs> so I need a new computer like bad, like real bad. <laughs> like my computer was crashing and all this stuff. And we were trying to do some stuff. He had this class that he's recording videos for. And I'm like, I can't edit them because it keeps crashing. And it was just bad. I'm like, this is the worst I've ever seen it. So I was like, I need you to pray with me. Believe God for me. And we need this money like now. And so um, we prayed and I was praying. And I was confessing all week, like, God, I thank you for this money. Thank you for this money. Thank you for this computer. Thank you for this computer. So PD said, um, he texted me. And he's like, hey, I was praying. And I got a word. God said you're going to get the money by Monday. And I was like, oh, amen. I receive it, right? Um, but I still was kind of like, eh, okay, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I believe it. But I'm like, that's kind of specific. Because me, I'm like, that's where I struggle with a lot is like uh, being specific, right? Um, but I was like, that's very specific, but okay. He, the Lord says Monday, then Monday. So Monday came, we're here, we were here recording and everything, and um, nothing. Like, I didn't, like, I was expecting, like, somebody was gonna call me, like, hey, I got this money for you, God told me to give you, and uh, just tell me what it's in the check, and I got you. Matter of fact, I'm gonna cash app it to you. And I was like, yes, Lord. But uh, yeah, so none of that happened, right? So I said, um, I got, I went home and I was like, ah, man, it was like late. It was like seven, eight o'clock. I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. And then, um, what did Tashani say? What did she say? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Tashani was like, Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we it was like eight, eight, nine o'clock. I'm trying to put the baby to sleep. And so Tashani comes in and she goes, um, I thought PD said you was gonna get the money by Monday. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I said. That's what he told me. I, I mean, I don't know. The Lord didn't tell me that. He told PD said that. So then she was like, I don't know. Right? So I'm like, huh? I was like, so I'm like, oh, I'm still believing God. It might not happen today, but I'm still believing God for it. And um, so I happened to go online. Something told me to check my, my, my pay stub. Now, we weren't getting paid for like a week. So I was like, I was like, yeah, let me go check my pay stub. So I went online randomly, checked my pay stub. And the exact amount of money that we were praying for was on my pay stub for Monday. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So to the penny. So again, I said all that. Say, get in faith. Put those people who are not believing and laughing at you and saying it don't work. I'm telling you, it worked. Put them outside. Right. <laughs> um, so moving on. Um, <laughs> so uh, where am I? Okay. So, like I said before, while fear came in when Adam disobeyed God, um, Satan took Adam's faith, turned it into fear. Um, where, uh, if you look at, actually, we can just go there. I think we got enough time, right? Yeah, we got time. So let's go with me to Genesis, Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. <clears throat> Genesis chapter three, verse ten. Uh, so prior to this, you know, like my my the the whole chapter three is about the fall, about Adam disobeying God and eating of the, the fruit of the tree, right? So we go to chapter three, verse ten, and it says, and he said, I heard. So Adam is speaking to um, Adam is speaking to God. So before that, God comes in and God says, Where are you? And Adam's saying to God, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself, right? So we're going to stop there. So prior to this, Adam, the Bible says Adam walked in the garden with God every day, right? Every day they walked together. Suddenly the fall happens, he disobeys God. And now the very person that he spent, we don't, I don't know how long it was, but... However long it was, every single day, now he's afraid of that person. He's afraid. He was afraid of God. He was afraid to, to, to see God. Right? So that's that's when fear entered, basically entered the world. That's when fear entered our lives, right? Um, for all of us, right? Um, because the very person that we were um, supposed to embrace, the very person that we were supposed to walk with, is now the person that we're afraid of, right? And so now we're we're saying we're saying we're afraid of we're afraid of some of those things that were up there, but really, this is what we were afraid of. We were afraid of the fall. We were afraid of what happened at the fall. We we're afraid of um, death, right? So, like I said earlier, death is the root of all fears. We're afraid of death from the beginning. 
We've been made afraid of death. We've been made to fear death. We've been made to fear all those things that God has, that God blessed us with. Suddenly the devil figured out a way to turn them into curses. He figured out a way to turn them into things that we, we did not want in our lives, right? Um, so, like I said, Satan took Adam's faith and turned it into fear. Where Adam used to walk and talk with God in the garden, he now feared him. Since that day, fear has plagued the human race, but thank God we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, right? So, um, I got a couple of scriptures here about faith, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. So how do we break the bondage of fear? How do we get out of fear, right? Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 says this, as soon as I find it. Um, and which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory has not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Of you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or what shall we do, or is my baby okay, or is my son okay, or is you know my job okay, or is, you can keep on going, right? Um, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will add, be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, number one, uh, for not being, fe not being fearful or worrying or whatever it is, is don't be anxious. Don't, be, don't worry. Don't be troubled. Because God says, just like he closed the lilies of the field, just as, you know, Solomon was the richest man, the richest ruler in probably history. Um, just as he took care of him, he'll take care of us. And the other part of it is, what does it do for you anyway? Even, even the Bible says, which of you by being anxious or worrying or being afraid can add a single hour to his span of life? What does it do for you? Actually, it does the opposite, right? It's clinically, medically, it tells you that worry causes all types of diseases, all types of different things, right? All types of um, ulcers and stress and high blood pressure and diabetes and this and that. So being anxious doesn't help anything. It only makes it worse. So and I think that I, I, my thing to that is, why worry about it? It's not helping me. I need to get into faith about it. I need to turn it around, right? So... Um, how do you get into faith? So read and study the word I have here. Read and study the word. Uh, most of us don't know what the word says, right? Most of us don't know what the Bible says about pretty much most things. Um, so you need to get in the word. You need to know what the word says, and therefore you can use it. Like the devil, uh, Jesus, Jesus fought Satan with the word. Right when Satan came to tempt him, he fought him with the word. He did. He could have did a lot of other things. I mean, he had all power, right? But 
he, I, I'm convinced that he did those things as an example for us to show us how we should walk and how we should live um, and show us what to do in those time in, in those situations. So if you go with me to Romans 10, 17, Romans 10, 17 says this. Um, so faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing through the word of God, through the word of Christ. Right. So faith comes by hearing. Um, Petey's um, mentioned this many times. The, the actual connotation is hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Constantly hearing the word of God. Constantly hearing the word of God. Uh, there's a man by the name of Charles Capps. Um, very powerful man of God. Um, very filled with faith. Um, a quick story about him. So um, Kenneth Copeland was talking about a time he went fishing with Charles Capps. And so he said, you know, fishing is kind of his pastime, his hobby or whatever. So he's like, oh, you know, I'm just going, we're going to fish and whatever. So he said, he's sitting on one side of the boat. Charles is sitting on the other. And he said, Charles is over there saying, um, come to me in the name of Jesus. Come to me in the name of Jesus. You're going to get in, you're going to get on this line. You're going to get on this line. And so he said, they were out there for a few hours. And he said, the whole time they're out there, he's not catching nothing. And Charles is like pulling in all these fish, right? So he looked up, he said, well, what are you doing that I'm not doing? And he said, I use my faith. <laughs> and so Kenneth Glover said, oh, you use your faith. He said, I need to get in faith. He said, I left my faith in the car. I need to go get my faith, right? Because he was like, he was like, the whole time he was out there, for him, it was, a, it was a, he was like, I, he was like, I took, I wanted to take a break from my faith. But I, he was getting so frustrated because he's like, even the spots that he was fishing in and he wasn't catching nothing, Charles would cast a line over there and he would catch something. <laughs> he was like, how do you keep catching all these fish and I'm not catching nothing, right? So he was like, his arms is getting tired because, you know, when you're fishing, if anybody ever been fishing, like, if you don't catch nothing out of the wild, you reel it in, you got to cast it back out again. So he was like, I was getting tired. Like, it wasn't even fun anymore. And so you got you to gotta constantly be in faith. You got to constantly be hearing, 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 hearing. So um, Charles Cap says, like, you know, it's not just enough to read your word. It's not just enough to, you know, um, to study it, but also to hear it. He said, you know, read it out loud. Um, he used the example uh, on one of his radio broadcasts. He said, if I hold this, this Bible up to the mic, did you hear the word? No. You didn't hear anything, right? Because it's not speaking unless somebody speaks it. You're not hearing anything unless somebody hears it. So he says, you know, read it out loud to yourself. Listen to it. Um, get it. Because that's how faith comes, by hearing it, hearing and hearing, constantly hearing. Um, another one, you got to meditate on the word. So Joshua 17, 9 says, you know, meditate on this word uh, day and night. It shouldn't depart from your mouth, right? So constantly meditating on the word. Um, you got to speak the word. So let's go real quick, real quick. I'm almost done. Psalms 103, Psalm 103. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verse 20 says this. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. So um, this is also Charles Capsule. He also said this. He said, your words will block your angels. Right. So angels are constantly like right here. It says the, the angels are constantly looking to obey the word of God. 
But if you get into fear and you start speaking things that are contrary to what God says, you're blocking your angels. You're blocking those that um, that are, are are looking to, you know, even God says um, he's, he watches over his word to perform it. So you're, if, you, if you get into speaking these things in a negative and contrary to what God says, you're blocking your angels. You're blocking your blessings. You're blocking whatever it is you're looking for, right? Because some people, they'll pray about it, right? So like an example would be Petey's license. They'll pray about, oh, we need to find this license. God, we're going to find this license. And then they're like, man, I can't find it. I don't know. I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. I'm, I can't find it. Okay, well, you just blocked. You just negated everything you just prayed for. Right? You know, um, so you got to watch, uh, watch over your words, constantly watching over your words, constantly watching over what you're saying. Because if you're praying for it, but then you're saying, ah, God, I don't know why I'm not getting healed. I don't know why my back still hurt. I prayed about it, but my back still hurt. I prayed about it, but my arm, you know, uh, I prayed about it, but they still treated me bad at the job. You just, you just, you just blocked everything, right? You just blocked everything. Now, and nine times out of ten, you're in more faith about that because it's what you see than what, what your faith is trying to work for, right? Because you're like, ah, oh, well. I can't, no, I can't find my license. So, you know, that's what you're in faith about. And now you're putting your faith into that thing, right? So the, the reverse is constantly like, you know, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I found my license. I found my license in the name of Jesus. I found my license. Thank you that it's found, right? That's how you do it. So, um, That actually alludes into my next point. So don't be moved by what you see. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right? So, um, we're not wrestling against the things that we see. Right? We're wrestling against the spiritual forces in heavenly places. Right? The evil in heavenly places. We're, we're wrestling against those things that we don't see. We're wrestling against those Spirits and demons speaking into your ears, telling you that you probably shouldn't be around those chemicals because you might get cancer. You probably shouldn't work at this job because you know you might get hurt. You probably shouldn't go here, right? And then you know, as long as, like I said, it's, it's in the laws of safety. As long as you know it's safe, there's no reason to fear it, right? But the but the devil will get into your ear and say, you know, I don't know about using that iPad, you know. The, the the studies say that the radi radiation is gonna you know it's gonna f affect your fertility. You can't have kids, right? Or you know I don't know about that, that radiation might give you cancer. You know all that blue light coming from them iPads gonna make you blind, right? So you you can't get into fear about those things, right? Like God has blessed us with this technology. He's blessed us with all these different things, and 
you know, there's wisdom, but then there's also just irrational fear, right? The statistics say <laughs> that these iPads have been around for how many years now? 10 or so, right? How many people have gotten cancer from iPads, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But, but because one person who we don't even know their entire medical history says that, oh, the iPad gave me cancer. Now the whole world is like, oh, ugh, I am, I'm throwing this thing in the garbage. <laughs> Keep it away from me, right? You get into fear about things that, why? Because there's something in your ear. There's a little demonic force in your ear saying, oh, don't do that. That might, that might not be safe, right? Um, Bible also says we walk by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians 5, 7, right? So it's not about what I see, it's about what I'm what I'm what I'm believing for. Right? Faith, hope grabs give faith gives substance to the things that I'm hoping for. So I can see it. Like PD said, get the vision, right? Your faith board, right? We changed it from a vision board to a faith board. Get the faith board. I see it. I see it. I believe God for it, right? Um let your faith grab hold of that, right? Um, let me go into the next one. Um, Romans 4.19. Romans 4.19. Romans 4.19 says this. He did not weaken the faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why faith was counted to him as righteousness. So this is Paul talking about Abraham. And he says, you know, Abraham was not moved by what he saw. He wasn't moved by his circumstances. He wasn't moved by, yeah, I'm struggling with severe depression. I'm not moved by that, right? Abraham was 100 years old. He said, I'm not moved by the fact that I'm 100. God promised me that I was going to have a kid. He promised me a son. I'm not moved by my anxiety. I'm not moved by what the news says. I'm not moved by what the media says. I'm not moved by what my own mama says, I'm not moved by anything other than what God promised me, right? And he says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. So I'm sure people probably laughed at him. I'm sure people probably said, you're crazy, right? But nothing made him waver concerning the promise of God. He grew stronger. In fact, he grew stronger in his faith as he gave glory to God. So for me, I take that as when the unbelief comes, when those people come to tell you, hey, you're not making sense. You're crazy. You're talking crazy. Glory to God. Right? Glory to God. Because that's only going to make my strength, my faith stronger. Glory to God. I'm glad you think I'm crazy. Because my, my, my faith isn't in you. It's in God. Right? So, you know what? I'm going to keep giving glory to God. And that will increase my, uh, increase my, my faith. So, my last scripture, and I'm going to let you go. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. So, Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, 
Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that he says what will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So, another way to get into faith is in prayer, believe that you receive, and it will be yours, right? So, like I said before, speak to those mountains, speak to those things that you don't see yet. Speak to those things that they haven't come to pass, but you're hoping for. Just like I was speaking, I was speaking to that computer before I had it. I was saying, God, I thank you for this computer. This computer is going to be a blessing to me. It's going to be a blessing to this church. It's going to be a blessing to my pastor. It's going to be a blessing to my family. It's going to be a blessing to the world for the things that we can do with it. Um, I thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Even when I didn't see it, even when it was 930 at night on Monday and PD promised me that it was coming on Monday, I was thanking God for it. I wasn't moved by it. I wasn't moved by other things, right? I was in faith. I was speaking to it. Same thing with the house. I was, you know. And it was some rough times with the house, but I was like, God, thank you that I got this house by December 31st when I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning and going home at 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I was like, God, thank you that I got this house. Right. But it moved. It was able. I, I was God was able to grace me through those situations because I stayed in faith. Right. If I if I was so focused on my circumstances, like, ah, oh, I only slept two hours today. Then. I couldn't get in faith when God wasn't able to give me that 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 grace to get through it, right? So it wasn't hard for me. As as crazy as it sounds, it was pretty easy. As crazy as sound, uh, Alan was my witness because he was there the whole time. Like, yo, I don't know how you doing this, man. You've been here like 20, 20 hours a day. I don't know what you doing, but he's my witness that I was like, yo, I'm good. I'm, we was you know walking around, we running around. Like he was like, yo, you you really like when did you sleep? Cause you got all this energy, but like you, I don't, I don't get it. So that was I, nothing but God's grace, right? So, I, like I said, I would encourage you get into faith, get into your word, and you know, start begin to overcome your fears, begin to overcome your anxieties, your stresses, those your worries. Just get into faith and follow the word. Uh, Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for uh, ministering to your people about fear. And faith, I thank you, Lord, that you, we are not moved by our circumstances, Lord, but we're moved by your promises. I thank you, Lord, for um, that this word will minister to the people throughout the week. And whenever they get in fear, they remember your word and look on you, just as Peter did when he was sinking. And I thank you, Lord, for this thing. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.